Hi, my name's Matt, and this is a podcast about life after the coronavirus vaccine. Welcome to episode 14. I really enjoy this little piece of internet slang that two weeks after a second dose of a double dose vaccine, you are, according to the internet at least, vaccinated. Today, the day this episode comes out is officially my vaccination day. A day when, as the more and more research and data confirms, my protection from vaccination is maxed out. For me, this protection arrives in the week the press is being briefed that very soon hugging will be back for us all. This is news I'm so deeply moved by. It's hard to find words. But I will come back to it, but not before I take a little narrative detour. You see, I'm fascinated by the difference of approaches taken by the UK and the USA when it comes to the connection between vaccination and the relaxing of social distancing and other restrictions. Just recently, the American Centre for Disease Control, the CDC, told fully vaccinated Americans that they can meet each other safely indoors and go unmasked in less busy outdoor settings too. There are also a bunch of new freedoms and exemptions to self-isolation rules as well. In the UK, however, restrictions are relaxing at the same times for the vaccinated and the unvaccinated alike. The pacing seems to be roughly aligned to the vaccination schedule of those considered clinically extremely vulnerable, but the freedoms granted at each step apply to all of us alike. The difference fascinates me. In lots of ways, the American model makes the most sense. As the evidence grows around the personal protection conferred by vaccination, then it follows that those who have that protection could and should be able to have more freedom. In fact, the quite obvious logic of that position was made all the clearer when asked why it was not that way for the UK. The vaccines minister gave what amounted to a nonsensical non-answer. I think when you look behind what he was trying to say, but couldn't really admit, was that the UK government wants everyone to have the same freedoms at the same time, even if those freedoms are already quite safe for some and not for others. So how did we get here? That fascinates me too. I wonder if partially... There is a vague cultural difference in the background. The American culture of individual liberty and success characterised by the so-called American dream, contrasted against the quintessentially British values of fair play and collective endeavour characterised by the NHS and our love of a well-managed queue. The other, I suspect, much more immediately determining factor is that of vaccine supply. In America, the supply is plentiful, open now to all ages, and the constraining factor is people coming forward and taking up those supplies quickly enough and in enough numbers. In those circumstances, it makes sense to motivate individuals to take up vaccination 
through the promise of personal freedoms for those that do. In the UK, vaccine supply is still the constraining factor and among those eligible, take-up is still very high. As a result, there's less need to motivate individuals into vaccination take-up and instead a greater need to keep our sense of shared endeavour alive through the perception of fairness. It will be interesting to see each strategy play out, hopefully with each of us reaching the same point eventually, with enough people vaccinated that other protections can be removed for us all. However, I wonder if there will be prices to pay for each strategy too. In Britain, for example, where we have not so closely linked the protection of vaccination with new freedoms of behaviour, will that lead people to be more cautious and underestimate the personal safety vaccines provide. In America, however, will the focus on the individual lead to complacency among those who are sceptical of both the virus and the vaccine so that the important critical mass of protected people is never reached? Because Whilst vaccination is a personal protection, it is also, when taken up by the many, a social protection too. To achieve that deeper social protection, each of us relies on enough of us, including those who have little need for personal protection, taking up vaccination so as to protect those around them. I was really interested to read a deep dive in The Atlantic this week, a true and genuine investigation into why some of us are anti-vaccination and specifically anti-Covid vaccination. The piece argues that much like the way my experiences of the past year have set me up to be incredibly positive and receptive towards vaccination, The experiences of others of the past year have helped to make them feel less positive and less receptive to it. Let me make it personal. I have worked from home. I have been told how potentially catastrophic it might be if I were to catch COVID. I've missed funerals and birthdays and celebrations. To the extent that my life has been put on hold, then vaccination is my route to get so much back and I'm so grateful to now be at the completion of that journey for myself and excited and impatient for that to be the case for others too. But as argued in the Atlantic, that has not been the case for everyone. What if I were someone who had to keep going to work for the past year? What if I were one of those who perhaps have had and recovered from COVID, perhaps mild, perhaps worse, but survived? What if I were one of those who had refused to give up the freedoms of seeing friends and family? Because 
frankly, why should I when I have to continue getting on public transport and working alongside others throughout the whole experience? Would any of those experiences of the past year have changed the way I see vaccination? Would I then not see vaccines as the much easier, simpler path to reclaiming life that I do now? But that has not been my life. And as the Atlantic article suggests, an appeal to the individual is not the answer. But instead, we appeal to our sense of citizenship, of shared responsibility and of caring for each other. So yes, vaccination is not the path to personal freedom for all of us like it is for me. But our appeal to those for whom vaccination is not a personal benefit is to ask them to do it for their grandparents, their friend undergoing cancer treatment, And maybe even the stranger on the street who has given up so much and needs their help to get it back. I promised we'd return to the promise of hugs again by May. But I have to be candid, I'm Not sure I have it in me this week. Whilst preparing the podcast throughout the week, I had every intention of coming back to it. And I've tried to formulate some coherent thoughts throughout the week, but I am mostly without words. What feels like such a deeply meaningful and personal topic. Certainly nothing which makes much sense just yet because I'm not sure I can make sense of it all myself in my own head or my own heart, let alone here. At the risk of sounding like a cliffhanger, I'm going to have to ask you to bear with me and maybe I'll be able to share something more articulate next week. But I, I will say this, despite Today being vaccination day, a day when finally a vaccine can start to take the weight off, start to do the heavy lifting of protection whilst other protections fall away. Yes, maybe even to the point where we can hug others. I will wait a little longer if asked. So we can all move together. Because if I'm going to ask others to think of me when it comes to getting their less personal vaccine, I shall keep that sense of shared responsibility on my own shoulders too, in any way I can, hopefully only a little while longer. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. You can find the podcast on social media at Life After Vax, V-A-X on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to reach out for a more meaningful connection, you can drop me an email. Hi at lifeaftervax.com. Until next time.